Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. This is John Katsimatidis. And the number one show at 5 o'clock. And this is a TriCast, WABC Radio, 770, 970 AM, The Answer. And uh, we have uh, WLIR. And we have three common-sense Republicans in the studio. What happened? Two days in a row, no Democrats. That's okay. Well, that's the assurance. It's the holidays, I can understand John. Judge Weinberg being Jewish, <laughs> but you know, David Patterson, he's not Jewish. You know, it's an honor he to chose be here. Chairman Cox, Congressman we have, Pete we King. Just, uh, chairman, uh, former GOP Chairman uh, Ed Cox, uh, former Congressman, I hate to say former, former Congressman <laughs> Peter King, GOP Chairman of Brooklyn, we have uh, Craig Eaton, and we have uh, Lydia Serrani, my sidekick here. And we're waiting for a special call. And uh, let's see, when the call comes in, we'll, we'll hear something. Breaking news, WABC. I am proud to say that with us today is the 45th president of the United States. Uh, we have uh, President Donald Trump. And uh, uh, Mr. President, tell us. What are the things that keep you up at night right now? Well, that's a very interesting question. Haven't been asked that question that way in a long time. First of all, hello, John, and you've been my friend for a long time, and I'm proud of you, the job you've done. Really proud everybody is. Uh, we look at what's going on in the world, and I think more than anything else, I think we could end up in World War Three, and it could be uh, – all of the horrible things that took place in Ukraine looks like it's going to happen in China with Taiwan, as you know, and you see what's going on over there. But what's happened in Ukraine should have never, ever happened. And now the word nuclear is being discussed. And I think that's one of the most dangerous things. That's uh, I think we're at the most dangerous time maybe in in many, many years, maybe ever because of the power of nuclear for a major nation that's equal with us on nuclear power, to be throwing around the word cavalierly like nuclear is uh, is a very bad time, a very bad time for this country and a very bad and a very dangerous time for the world, John. Uh, people are saying, and whether it's your friends or, or not your friends, they all say, well, I guess if, uh, if President Trump was still president, that Putin would not have entered the Ukraine. What say you about that? It would have never happened that he would have done that. It would have never happened. I spoke to him. I got along with him very well. I spoke to him. I understood him. He understood me probably, but I understood him well, and he would have never done it. And he didn't do it, John. You know, four years plus a long campaign, he never did it and never contemplated doing it at that time. And I think, frankly, with the travesty in Afghanistan, the way we got out, I think he looked at that, and he looked at the leadership, looked at what happened with the military where we moved our military out first, left $85 billion, John. You know what billion is better than anybody. $85 billion worth of the best equipment, military equipment in the world, left American citizens, left uh, dead soldiers. Think of it, dead soldiers. It was such a disaster. I think it was the most embarrassing and horrible moment, just about the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. I think Putin saw that. But he would have never done it. That would have never been a problem. He was not going to go into Ukraine. And he understood the consequences. But now he's there, and you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people die. And and uh, you've already had far greater than the numbers they're broadcasting. When they wipe out cities like they're doing, you're not losing three people. They'll say two people died, and you know nine buildings were knocked down. Two people died. 
It's much worse than anybody knows. And this is something that would have never happened, John. We talked, uh, uh, we brought up Afghanistan just now, and and we left uh, $85 billion worth of equipment behind. Uh, we left back the, uh, our old Air Force base that the Chinese are using now as a base, right. I guess. And uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any no. sense that uh, this all happened. No. What, what say no. you about that? I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, the, the generals themselves... Uh, they haven't stood up and said this was crazy? It doesn't make sense, John, and a lot of things don't make sense. Uh, inflation doesn't make sense. Totally unnecessary. That was caused by oil. That was caused by energy prices. Now it's caused by everything. Now it's beyond that. But you look at that. Open borders don't make sense, John. I mean, you probably sit there as somebody with great common sense and very smart and you probably looked at that and say, it's not possible that somebody could want to do this. We have millions of people pouring into our country. We have no idea where they're from. And many of them come from prisons from lots of other countries. They're prisoners and they're, they're hardened, uh, dangerous people. And, you know, that doesn't make sense. And no voter ID doesn't make sense. I mean, who would think no voter ID? Even the Democrats want voter ID, but they don't want to have voter ID. A lot of things don't make sense, John, but certainly... Uh, the way we got out, where we took our soldiers out first. And remember, when I was there, 18 months, not one American soldier was killed. And they understand you can't do that. And I'm the one that got it started to get us out because we've been there for 21 years. But to leave Bagram, now Bagram is the base you're talking about, and that's one hour away from the Chinese nuclear plant. That's where they make their nuclear weapons. Crazy. So they're one hour away in Bagram. And now China, from what I'm hearing, China has either taken it over or will take it over. I wasn't going to keep that for Afghanistan. I was going to keep that because of China. So I would have never given that. That cost billions of dollars many years ago to build a perfect location for us in terms of China, forgetting about Afghanistan. And we gave that up, and now China is occupying it, or at least partially occupying it. Soon they will occupy the whole thing. Largest, most powerful runways in the world. You have to see this place. This was built to stay, and the Chinese have it now. The DEA, you talked about drugs. The DEA has said to me on my show that 140,000 Americans have died in the last 12 months from fentanyl right. being shipped by China through Mexico. Yep. Now, uh, in Vietnam, Korea, and Afghanistan, we only lost, uh, I mean, it was tragic, but we lost 107,000 over the years. In one year, we lost 140,000. Is that the Chinese art of war? I think what's happened is the number is a lot higher than that. I think it's 250,000, and that doesn't include all the families that are just totally destroyed because of the drugs pouring through the southern border. So two years ago, when I was president, we had the strongest southern border in the history of our country by far, and we had it down to a trickle. And now it's record-setting numbers every week. It gets worse and worse, and that includes human trafficking. That includes drugs, the drugs pouring through the country. We had that so far down. It hasn't been like that. It hasn't been that like that for in history. It hasn't been like that. So now what happens is they opened up the border. The day one they opened up the border. I built a tremendous amount of wall 
I then and we finished it and then I was going to build additional and we started it three weeks that we would have had an additional almost 200 miles of wall. And they said, no, we're not going to build it. They didn't want to do it. They told contractors right in the middle of the job, don't do it. And I said, they really do want open borders. So they want open borders and through open borders come drugs. And the drugs have never been as bad as they are now. So we had great, I mean, relatively speaking, great numbers on drugs. And the only way you're going to stop the drugs, John, is death penalty for drug dealers. Drug dealers kill five hundred people during their lives. In other words, a drug dealer on average kills 500 people, not to talk about the destruction of families. And the only way you're going to stop it is to have death penalty for drug dealers. Otherwise, it's just a game of blue ribbon committees. You know what more about blue ribbon committees than anybody. And they're not going to stop anything. You need the death penalty. If you look at, at countries where they have, like China, they have the death penalty, they have no drug problem. Singapore, they have the death penalty. They have no drug problem. You're never going to stop drugs unless you have the death penalty. Our way I of hate to say it too, John. I hate to say it. It sounds so harsh, but but it's uh, you know if if you think of it, if one drug dealer kills during the course of his life, his or her life, 500 people, then it's actually a very very good thing and a very nice thing. We're going to save a lot of lives, but there's no these committees that form and. A lot of them are people that you know. They're dilettantes and they're debutantes and they're people that you don't, you know, that don't know a thing about this and don't really want to know. A lot of them are on there for publicity purposes. If you don't have the death penalty for drug dealers, you'll never stop. If you do, if, if it's a meaningful death penalty for drug dealers, you will knock out 85% of the crime in this country in one day. Well, I'm going to switch to New York for 10 seconds or to maybe a little yeah. longer. Uh, I've been told by the NYPD, the police commissioner, et cetera, et cetera, there's 3,000 repeat violent criminals uh, in New York. Repeat violent criminals. In other words, I don't care about the guy that comes and steals a loaf of bread because they're hungry. But violent criminals that have been arrested five times, ten times, fifteen times. And I, I've said to the people in Albany, why? Why are we not defending and talking for the eight and a half million New Yorkers that love New York and we're defending the 3,000 repeat violent yeah. criminals? And you're a New Yorker Sorry. all your life. Tell us. I mean, does it make any sense at all? So sad what's happened to New York. New York State. I mean, you look at this Letitia James. She's a disaster. Uh, she spends years going after me uh, that she said, oh, I may be misrepresented to banks, which, frankly, I didn't. And all of her staff, the number of people, and, and she goes after me. On, by the way, banks that are fully paid, they're totally satisfied, happy. They got their money back. All the money. In the, and in the meantime, we have murderers going down, walking down the street. It's just horrible. She's a horror show. She's so bad. She doesn't care about violent crime. She doesn't care about anything except trying to use Trump's name to get elected. And she's a disaster, and everybody knows that she's done a terrible job. But people like her, Letitia James, are causing a tremendous problem in New York. And New York's not the same place. I have so many friends, they don't want to go there anymore. And they're leaving New York. You're staying. <laughs> You're one of the people that are staying. But people are leaving New York by the tens of thousands. And you have a lot of wealthy people leaving New York, and they're the ones that give it the money so that it can function. 
And if this continues, I don't know what's going to happen to New York, but you go down the streets and you look at the state and just not New York City, it's all over the state. The crime is just incredible in Democrat-run areas. And Letitia James has done absolutely nothing on violent crime. She wants nothing to do with it. I worry. It's a disaster. I worry about our city. I worry about our yeah. state. I worry about our country. And uh, the world, we're in deep uh, doo-doo. I mean, is the nicest way to say it. Um, we're under attack in so many. They want to change our way of life in America. Right. Our religion is That's under right. attack. Our borders are under attack. Our, our education system. We're number. Our kids are number twenty-five or twenty-six in the world in education. Who in the world is smart enough to attack us on so many fronts? So I believe it's much more than socialism. I think it's communism. If you look at what's going on in our country, and you look at what's happening in some of our. In mo almost all of our Democrat-run cities, virtually all, look at L.A., look at Chicago, look at what's happening in Chicago, look at New York, look at what's happening at, at, in cities within New York State. I mean, you go up to the various cities in New York State, it's like it's a horror show. And it's uh, there's got to be law and order. It's very simple. There's got to be law and order. When you, you started off by saying it doesn't make sense, these things, because from a common sense standpoint, you know, you're a conservative guy, but you're really a person with common sense. And, and me, too. If people say you conservative, I said I'm common sense. You got to have borders. You have to have this. You have to have that. But if you don't stop what this is like a crime wave, people don't want to go to these cities anymore. They don't want to go to New York. They're afraid to go to a restaurant. Women are afraid to put on jewelry because it's going to be stolen right off their necks. They, I mean, literally, women now, you go to restaurants, they're afraid to wear jewelry. And uh, it's it's so sad what's happened to, you know, places, frankly, like New York and like Chicago and big, big chunks of our city and our beautiful, shining cities, these cities that were, were the talk of the world are being just decimated. And if it doesn't stop fast, John, it's never you're never going to be able to bring them back. I agree that we are in deep trouble. Um, tell us, you know, we're down. I know you have time constraints. Uh, is the fact that uh, North America, we can produce, and me and you have talked about it, 20, 21 million barrels a day along with uh, Canada. We're only producing uh, 14, 13, 14, no, together with Canada, 16 maybe. Um, if if North America was opened up to oil, the price of oil will go way down, and there won't right. be and interest rates. There wouldn't be a reason to raise interest rates because the price of oil will go down. That's what was driving everything. Right now, they're raising interest rates to such a degree where they're going to take the whole real estate industry and bankrupt, bankrupt it. And by the way, Russia would stop because it would go down from $100 and even more than that a barrel down to $40. You know, I had it at $40, which was like a perfect number. Oil companies could make money, but they could produce a lot. And people, you know, we were at $1.87, think of it, in cars. I even got it down to $1.50 or $1.49 at one point, but we had to save the oil companies too. You know, they have to make something. But we had it down to $1.87. Uh, one of the things I was most proud about, many things, because we did a lot, the biggest tax cuts in history, the biggest uh, regulation cuts in history, 
right to try. You know what right to try is? The medicines, all the medicines that people are terminally ill, they could use them as opposed to not being able to use them because it would have taken five years to approve. But one of the things I was most uh, proud of was we became energy independent for the first time in 74 years. They say 74. I think it's probably ever. But 74 years, we became energy independent, and we were soon going to be energy dominant. We would have been bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined, and even much bigger than that. We would have taken care of Europe. We would have had numbers that would have been incredible. And you wouldn't have had a war. You wouldn't have had to talk to Putin because the numbers would not have allowed him to do what he's done. Because at at $100 a barrel, the money he makes is so enormous, he can afford to fight a war that should have never started regardless of that. It should have, and it would have never started. So I was very proud of that, John. And you're right. If if we let our, like I did, if you did just the exact same policies as I did. You know, one of the things I did, I filled up the uh, National Strategic Reserves. And first time in 54 years that it was filled up, it was loaded right to the top. He comes in and he starts taking the oil, turning it into gasoline so that he gets a better number, a little bit lower number for the election. It wasn't meant for that. It was meant for military purposes. It was meant for the security of our country. I had it filled up. I bought 75 million barrels. And you know how much that is. And I got it at a low price because I bought it at just about the low so we paid very little for it, and we filled it up. I, that's why I, I did it. I said, tell me about the strategic reserves. They weren't filled up for decades and decades. I fill it up, and now, you probably read yesterday, they're at the lowest point that they've been at for, I think, over 50 years because he's taken all of what we did, and they're subsidizing because they want to have good numbers for the election. And after the election, John, you know this better than anybody because you you're in that business along with a lot of other businesses. But after the election, John, oil prices are going to skyrocket because you're not going to be able to take it from the strategic and reserve. And he anymore. announced uh, uh, this morning or yesterday that he wants to sell the strategic reserves completely and use the money uh, to, uh, to subsidize uh, uh, electric energy. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And by the way, the electric cars don't go very long. I have friends that bought electric cars. They don't want them because they can only drive for two hours. They, you know, they want to take a trip. They can't stop. They don't want to stop and have it charged for four hours. The whole thing is crazy what we're doing. You know, the other thing, we are sitting on top of liquid gold. We have 500 years worth of energy at our feet, and we make it clean and natural gas, which is clean. But we have years. We have we have such a more than anybody else, more than any country, when they go electric, the batteries, China has all of the material that go into the batteries, and we have virtually none of it. So they're taking our advantage of oil, and they're moving it to China's advantage, so China can have all the electric at once, because its earth gives them what you need for a battery. Ours doesn't. We are playing right into their hands. It's the most incredible thing. But just let the market determine. You know, right now we only have like 4% or 3% electric cars. They want to force everybody to have electric cars. And we don't they have don't the grid. Far enough. We don't have the grid. We don't have the grid. President number, Trump. Number one, we don't have the grid. Yeah. You're right about that. We, we're at a time. Your, your staff told me that you have uh, 
a few other things to do, but I appreciate the, the <laughs> call. And the fact is that we'd love to have you on again because me and you could discuss so many things. It's unbelievable. We could go for a long time, you I and know. I. And, uh, you know, hopefully well, there'll be a time when we can be proud instead of just being talking about how bad things are. But our country's never been in a worse position than it is right now. And just look at the stock market. Tell your listeners to take a good look at their 401ks, which are down in some cases 50% from what they were two years ago. So, you know, it's uh, it's very sad to see what's happening to our country. We Joe. both love America and we want a better America. Thank you so much for everything you've done and comp- continue to speak out for our country. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much, John. Say hello to Margo. Thank you very much. Well, holy cow. I mean, that was uh, some interview, and then I think we covered a lot of subjects. Uh, where do we go? At Cox first? Uh, I thought it was interesting. He's running, no doubt about it. He is talking like a candidate, covering all the topics that he wants to raise and practicing some stuff the way he might do it. No, all valid Congressman points. King? No, all, all valid points. And, uh, again, if he could just focus on that rather than going off on side issues. He'd be in great shape. Craig Eaton? I agree with Chairman Cox. He's definitely running. I don't want to look at my 401K. I agree with him there. I don't want to look. Listen, um, <laughs> I get emails every day of where my portfolios are. Yeah. I don't want to look at him either. That's a scary thing. Yeah. And, and But you see how focused he is. The contrast between how focused he is and when we see the gibberish from our current president, there's such a such a difference, such a difference. I agree with all of you. He sounded very measured, right? And he's yeah. focusing on the issues and not getting into the mishigash or whatever of like Biden this and Hunter that. And that's what we need from him. If he can continue down this line, he can really take back the White House. We can take back this country. But he's got to stay away from 2020. He can't talk about the yeah. election was stolen. He's got to talk about what he did and what he accomplished. And how he can redo the same things that he did because the problems we have now are the problems we had when he was president. He, he just has to president. listen on the to John. Line with us right now, John McLaughlin is on. Uh, John, I mean, you know uh, President Trump a long time. Tell us uh, what you thought. Did I do a good job? Oh, you did a great <laughs> job. And I tell you, uh, uh, I, you know, I've known him a long time because our friend Dick Morris introduced me to him and. Dick's advised the president. I've advised the president. And I tell you, he's on the top of his game. I mean, he even made sure he said to say hello to Margo. So this guy, he's running. <laughs> it's like when, when you hear that. And by the way, when he looks at the polls, we had a poll that we completed of 1,000 likely voters across the country last Friday, right before the markets tanked again. But uh, But when we did that poll— among the Republican primary voters, the independents who vote in the Republican primary and the Republicans, uh, 71% want him to run again. And if he were to run again, 86 to 11, they said they support him. And then we gave him a choice of like a dozen candidates in the Republican field. Trump got 55%. The next closest was DeSantis at 18, but only 18. Everybody else single digits, like Liz Cheney's running it too. And, and uh, then, but the real kicker is, against Joe Biden. This is a poll with there's more Democrats than Republicans. It's modeled after the 2020 election. 51% said they voted for Biden. Trump beats Biden 49 to 45. So, I mean, the buyer's remorse has happened. But according to Dick Morris and, and me, an uh, interview on Sunday that made uh, worldwide news, it's going to be Hillary against Trump. Well... Well, we'll put that in next month's poll. She didn't do too well. By the way, in, if 
you know, Dick's going to have to make sure she wins without a primary because in the Democrat field, if Biden's in it, he only gets 27%. So I don't think he runs. I think he bails out. But she's in single digits. So the Democrats have no leader. I mean, without Biden in it, it's like Michelle Obama's the only one. It's like 16, you know, uh, she's, you know, she's at like 16 percent or they're they're like a leaderless party. They've destroyed the country. Biden in the Democrat field right now does worse than Lyndon Johnson did in, in Vietnam, you know, during Vietnam when he had to back out. So maybe that's why on 60 Minutes he was saying he wasn't going to run again or intimating that he might not run again because somebody might have slipped on the poll saying you 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 know you'd lose john this is craig uh, eaton i I can't see biden running again i cannot see he he has no shot at winning and but like john said hillary is really the only one that they have the democratic so so who's why why not the the said cox john why not the governor a governor of california i mean certainly he should be uh, a candidate uh, and the one who should be winning, if you can win the uh, win the Democrats in California over and win uh, win California. The talk is to have Gavin Newsom and have his running mate as Stacey Abrams. The View oh. said that would be their dream team. It would be my dream too because they would lose huge. What do you think, John McLaughlin? Well, November is going to change a lot because right now there's a pressure cooker building up where if the Republicans in the next six weeks play the cards right, they're going to take the House and it's going to be big, 40, 50 seats, and they'll take the Senate. And if that doesn't happen, the Republicans will get depressed. But when you look at the— the, What I think the the American people want is a balance of power because Washington doesn't have a balance of power right now. And and, and things are getting the American people very upset about what's going on with the borders especially. And, John, here in New York, how do you see Lee Zeldin doing? Lee Zeldin is is he's he's right on her heels. I mean, you know, we may be the only ones. There's a couple other firms, Trafalgar and the other ones, that do likely voters, but but if you're looking at people that are going to vote, because the governor's race is usually only about six million voters, and there's six, 13 million registered, and if you spend the time to screen for that, where the polls that we have, we have. 50% are Democrats and about 30 are Republicans and conservatives. Lee Zeldin's with a handful of points of her. Uh, we're doing a super PAC, John, and I agree with you. Uh, from what we have seen, uh, it's it's uh, it's very close. But, John, you hit it right yeah. on the head. It's getting out the votes. Look what happened in the city. De Blasio won twice, the first time with 17% of the vote, 17% of the people voting, and then everyone complains. We have yeah. to get their vote out. Well, we're well, going to have to take a break. John, don't go away. John, okay. I don't go away. Uh, we're going to have to take this break. And Lou Dobbs wants to give us his two cents on uh, uh, on what the market did today. And we're going to come right back right uh, in about two minutes. Thank you. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Senator Joe Manchin gives in and removes energy permitting from bill to avoid a government shutdown. He asks uh, Senator Major- Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to remove his pipeline permit from the continuing resolution to fund the government. Holy cow! That's a breaking news. Manchin tried to do the right thing. And well, he's, and he's I, actually, him. Joe Manchin outsmarted himself because he was siding with Republicans against the Democrats. Thought he had made a deal with Chuck Schumer to help him on the oil pipeline, and uh, it ended up he antagonized all the Republicans and a lot of Democrats. And now he has no leverage at all. So I don't know how he's going to pull this out. So what does this mean for America? The Democrats hate him and the Republicans hate him. (laughs) So what does this mean that the energy permitting bill was removed? Actually, I think the energy permitting bill would be good. But the thing is, politics is politics. And right now, that's identified with Joe Manchin. 
So uh, well, the, uh, we're still out on the line. We have John McLaughlin, and uh, I think um, uh, Gus Bilarakis is joining us. Congressman. Gus? Congressman. Definitely, yeah. I'm on uh, the line. Are you in St. Pete, Congressman? Are you in I Washington? Can hear you. I can hear you. I'm in Florida. Are you waiting? For, are you waiting for this? What's going on with the hurricane? Well, uh, you know, it's it's shifted uh, south. The uh, the prediction. So it looks like it's going to go south of uh, Sarasota, John. But you know, we're going to get the sustained winds and and the flooding as well. But uh, I, people are taking it seriously. There's no question. Uh, you know, what, we haven't had a direct hit in the Tampa Bay area since 1921, believe it or not, 100 years. Uh, but people were really concerned this time. And, again, uh, we have St. Nicholas in Tarpon Springs, as you know, uh, John, and he always puts his hand up. On well, so St. Pete, you know, people said, are you worrying about the condo you're building there? I said, in 100 years, there's only been two hurricanes. So I, I'm betting that it's not going to hit. We're going to be okay. God bless. I don't want people to let their guard down, though, because we are going to get the flooding and and the sustained winds, probably tropical storm winds. But uh, again, it shifted south. uh, Hey, Gus. Hey, Gus. Yeah, yeah. This is Pete King. All I know is even even a hurricane isn't tough enough for uh, Gus Bellaracca. So you should take all the credit (laughs) for this, Gus. (laughs) No, say Nicholas, Peter. But uh, (laughs) I think it was great to see you last month. That's no, great. And, Always uh, great seeing you. Yeah, we really miss you in Congress. That's for sure. Well, you're one of the good guys. That's how yeah. you ask. And, and uh, we still, John, you, uh, we you. still have John McLaughlin on, and and uh, Gus, uh, Congressman. We were talking about uh, the Trump interview uh, we did, and uh, John, you, you we I, we interrupted you when we took the break. Uh, where, where were you? No, we were talking about Lee Zeldin at that point in New York, and I was saying, you know, that she's if you don't believe my polls. She spent since Labor Day $10 million attacking the guy in three weeks with negative ads. And Lee actually grinded out a couple more points to get closer. So he, as as Ed Cox, and I guess we could talk on the radio, but <laughs> because it's in public, but he's with the Super PAC, I'm with the campaign, and Lee's within a few points. And you can tell by the way she's acting, and she keeps attacking him because crime's out of control. I know our friends in. She, she gave she gave him she gave him ID with those ads, right? Yeah. Recognition. Yeah. And, and John, all the time you were my consultants, we never attacked an opponent unless we thought the race was going to be somewhat close. And in twenty eighteen, which was turned out to be a close race, and was you still advised me not to attack because not because we're nice guys, but you're giving them credibility. You're putting the name out there, you're putting the face out there. Yeah. It's best to let the public not know who you're running against. But Coke will be attacking Lee this way. To me, it's a big plus for, for Lee. Not yeah, smart. You know, uh, you were the best political consultant I work with. You wrote your own ads. Peter's great. Peter's great. You know, this yeah. is Gus. Uh, I just was looking around uh, on the internet uh, this morning because you know we're stuck here in the in the house, uh, and uh, apparently Pelosi didn't get a good uh, response when she went to that concert right. in Manhattan. They were booing uh, her in yeah, Central Park. I heard. Yeah, yeah. So right, that's, uh, that's indicative. Festival. That uh, people want Republicans to lead, yeah. and, I, and Lee is a hell of a candidate. There's no question. People are fed up. Well, what I've States. been saying to everybody, guys, I've been saying to everybody, we want a little bit of common sense. We need a balance of power in Washington. So, uh, uh, you and know, Albany. Uh, and Albany, and, and I New mean, York City. Republicans and Democrats understand that we need a balance of power to make 
make our life better. John Katzmatidis, just like you said during your interview with Trump, we've got these violent repeat offenders, and there's that now viral incident in Queens where the woman, she's a JFK airport security worker, and she's kicked viciously in the head by a guy who killed his grandmother, was out on parole. He should have never been out on the streets to begin with. John McLaughlin, how powerful do you think uh, those those crimes are? Because we keep seeing them over and over and over again. And then the saddest part is the woman said at the end, we, these these things keep happening and nobody's doing anything about it. Where are the police on the subways? Right. And well, they took away qualified immunity for the police officers. And it's it, the videos, the news shows it. But when Lee puts it in a TV ad, you know, we put it out there and we put it out it there on Twitter, censored. they take it down. Yeah. They censor us. They censor us on Facebook and Twitter, and it's actual news footage. I mean, it was terrible what happened to the poor woman in Howard Beach. Howard Beach, you know, by JFK Airport on the subway right there, and and the poor woman, and she's right. There's there's all these victims of crime around New York where, I mean, I mean Jose Alba, the poor guy that got stabbed in the bodega, he's supposedly back in Santa Domingo. He, he feels safer in Santa Domingo than in New York. You know what, John? And, John, the people, people in America, people in New York, people in New York City, have to get real. They have to see what's happening out there. They have to look at the all the candidates, like John always says, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. You got to look at the issues. Common sense. We need to turn the tide here. Absolutely, absolutely. Otherwise, Gus will be so mad to be so many Republicans from New York down there, but uh, Democrats and Independents. I mean, this is unbelievable. Gus is scared that Gus is scared that more uh, Democrats are going to come down there in his district. Uh, as long as hey, hey, they switch their party registration and they're they're common sense people, then we'll take them. No, this year we're fighting and staying here. It's like it's like this year. <laughs> Zelda nah, fight, they, I agree. Fight. You got Ed, 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 and Chairman Chairman Eaton. There, we're all, and and uh, John Katz with you. We're all staying. And, and this is the gotta, year. We got to win this year. We, we got to win this year. Absolutely. At least uh, losing is not an option. That's, yeah, that's Congressman. What do you think about the divisive rhetoric coming from the Biden administration? I mean, there's a hurricane barreling down on Florida, and Biden didn't even call Governor DeSantis. He called all these other Florida mayors, but not DeSantis. I I'm yeah. even shocked that he's really that petty. Well, they're they're desperate. They're desperate. Well, and, hold on. There's uh, more know, breaking I, news. Would you want to read that, uh, Lydia? More breaking news. I mean, we're nothing but breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. New York State Cop Union backs Kathy Hochul. Then a bigger police union backs Lee Zeldin. So wow, you got the terrific. dueling police unions there. But, yeah, it's the largest police union I think we have here in New York State. And they're backing Lee Zeldin because they want law and order. Which one is backing her? Well, I just the, the breaking news just came in. Uh, we have to. Yeah. Okay. Well, during the break, we will we'll, we'll announce it after the break. I wonder, maybe though her security detail? Because I don't know any other cop would that be supporting her. It's the only one. We got we got two of the largest unions in the United States here: the NY, the uh, the patrolmen's PBA, and also the sergeants is the second largest. Who was, who was the counsel for the sergeants? I wonder who that was. <laughs> Ed Cox was. Yeah, for ten years. Anyway, the sergeants have endorsed Lee, and the vast majority of police unions have endorsed Lee, and she got one, I guess, because she probably pays them. So, so the other ones, the other ones, they they have to support Lee because they're, they're, the rumor is after election day they'll they'll get rid of qualified immunity statewide. It's not just for New York City. 
the board police can't do their jobs. They can't touch criminals above the waist. And it's, you know, now you get police, you got video, policemen getting beat up on the subways by, by toll jumpers. But, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm and, giving uh, details. John has family members who are very active in the NYPD, and it's a tough job. Yeah, very tough job. So, uh, you know, lots of, you, we've, we've all got lots of friends, and, and, and uh, they're doing a very tough job at a difficult time right now. And when you don't get backed up by the city council or the mayor, it, it's, it's it, and you're risking your life every day. Well, so. the, the the police officers do a tough job, and uh, whoever wins, uh, and I think it's very important. If we don't back our blue, and we're doing a big uh, at WABC, we're doing a back to blue. I think I don't know the date yet. I don't know the date. I yet. think it's the next couple of weeks, and somebody has to back our policemen. Why should they be in the streets helping us in crimes if nobody's going to back them? They're, even when they're trying yeah. to make arrests, people are jumping them. It's really, it's gotten really crazy. Well, guys, uh, Congressman Gus Bilarakis, please survive uh, well on, during the St. <laughs> oh, Pete. I think we're going to be okay. Okay. And we're going to uh, be okay, John. John McLaughlin, thank you. And uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with uh, Caleb Kruckenberg. What is a Kruckenberg? I, we're going to find out. Keep it right here. Stay tuned. Cats at night. And we'll be right back after the break. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line with us is Caleb Kruckenberg. He's an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation, and they are suing to block Biden, uh, Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, welcome to Cats at Night, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Now, now, you, my producer put you on. What are you suing for? We are we are trying to stop the Biden uh, loan cancellation program. But so. then, but then, you know what happens? The same thing that happened in Georgia. What happened is that that uh, that the Democrats went down to Georgia, saying we're going to give you twenty six hundred dollars when when next week uh, next week we're going to give you twenty six hundred dollars when when you vote Democratic in Georgia. And then the Republicans went down and says, we're going to give you crap. Guess which way they voted in Georgia? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, I, it's very clear, at least to me, that, you know, this is essentially what the president is trying to do. I mean, well, yeah, he's, you know, he's trying to buy. Listen, yeah. it's obvious it's part of the October surprise. He wants to buy votes. And I'll give you $10,000 only after you you put my Congress in and they're going to say, it's okay, we're going to forgive you the $10,000. You, know you know what I would say uh, to, 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 to the Republicans? Give them $12,500. You know, John, most of these people are graduate students, most of whom are going to be voting for Biden anyway. I'm not sure what kind of a well, political I, impact I think, it's going to have. You know, l- listen, I respect your opinion, sir. But I got to give you my feelings too. It's my show. Well, and and so regardless of of I think who it's going to impact the most. I mean, I, I think what we're really concerned about is you know for the president to put this around and say here's a bunch of free money is we'll pay for it. And and you know frankly, he just does not have the power to do it in the first place. Well, then, but he's saying, but he's saying to people, 
if you vote for my Congress, get me a Democratic Congress, and I'm going to give you $10,000. That's us. bottom line. Craig Eaton, yeah, what, what say you? Well, you know, the problem is, what about all the students that have paid their student loans over the last 10 years or 20 years or 30 years? I paid. They right. paid the student loans, and, and they're not getting any forgiveness. And they're saying, why did I pay my loans? Now these people are going to get a $10,000 gift. Do you know, even in, back it's in 2010, fair. Barack Obama said student loan forgiveness is a bad idea, and it would cost Americans millions upon millions of dollars that we simply don't this have. Try billions this, and billions. Billions. This, yeah, back this then is it was an election. Billion this yeah, is an election year. Right. We used to say, give me one turkey in every pot. Then we went to two turkeys in every pot. Maybe we put three turkeys in every Who's pot. Who's going to pay for my mortgage? We're going to forgive that. <laughs> That's what I want. All right, and Caleb, I'll vote for you. Caleb, you're a lawyer, right? Yeah. How do you get standing in this? That's the big question, isn't it? Right. And and that has been the big big question. And I think one of the things that we realized when we started looking at this is, you know, in, in the broad sense, we're all going to have to pay for it. That's a problem. But it also actually puts certain people in a worse situation because there are six states that are going to tax this uh, cancellation as income. And for some of those people, like our, our client who lives in Indiana, he's going to get a one-time tax bill, but he's not going to see any benefit in the end on, on his loan responsibility. Um, and, and essentially what's happening just because of the cancellation, he's going to owe more than $1,000 to the state of Indiana. That's it. That's his only is that an, Is that enough to give him standing uh, to challenge the whole law as being an exercise of power the president doesn't have? Well, certainly that's our position. And, and I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about what it is that we're trying to stop because the, the – the Department of Education is saying we are just as a matter of agency policy, we're going to just wipe out about $500 billion in, in debt all on our own with no oversight. So, you know, there's a regular path you yeah, challenge but, but, these but then, administrative if, acts. If we don't challenge him, if the Republican Party doesn't challenge him and say, look, you know, we'll, we'll give you 12 5 I mean, it's ridiculous. Otherwise, people people are going to say, okay, maybe I'll vote that way so I can get $10,000. You know, enough is enough, guys. Well, well sir, and, and you me, know, I respect your opinion. Bill. I respect your opinion, but I have to give you my opinion, too. Sure. And, and let me just say, too, you know, I, this is not a partisan lawsuit. I'm not trying to, to preference one party or the other. I mean, we're just saying that this particular policy is illegal. It would be just as illegal if the Republicans did it. It's, well, that's why Biden's saying vote for our guys on November 8th, and I'll give it to you after that. Well, I think what we've seen, unfortunately, is is the president is saying and the Department of Education is saying we're going to do it in the month of October. I mean, they, they have said that they're going to start the first week in October. And in the next four to six I don't think he there, has the ability to do that. I think he then he'll he'll twist it around and he'll forget and he'll et cetera, et cetera. But listen, keep doing your research and we'll have love to have you on again and we'll we'll give you the respect of having you on, but do that research and let's see what happens over the next two weeks. Did we we lose him? 
We lose him. Okay, we have Dr. Peter Mikolos on the line right now. Dr. Peter Mikolos, our resident medical genius. He's got some interesting information for us about viruses having intelligence and they're lurking in our bodies. But I told him that two years ago. I know. I was just going to say I heard that somewhere from a guy sitting next to me, a certain billionaire. Dr. Peter Mikolos, what is the latest? Well, it's quite amazing news, and uh, this just came out in the last 24 hours out of a university in uh, Maryland, that viruses basically are lying in wait in our bodies, and they're actually waiting to see when they get an ability, when the immune system is a little weaker, and they pop out, just like when people are under a lot of stress, for example, and uh, all of a sudden the shingle virus reappears or a herpes outbreak reappears, so they actually sense and have a sense of intelligence when we are weaker and they pop out and they start multiplying. And another fascinating thing is that they know when not to infect the cell because they bypass cells that are already infected. So that's pretty amazing as well. And there's a certain type of uh, virus called a bacteriophage, or also called a phages for short, and they actually kill other viruses. And if we didn't have these viruses that can kill bacteria, uh, we'd be in trouble because uh, bacteriophages actually kill 40% of the bad bacteria in our ocean, and they're the things that prevent bad bacteria from overgrowth. And they also do that in our intestinal uh, tract. So these phages are basically uh, killing viruses. And why is this important? Because now we're finding out that we have a big problem that we don't have new antibiotics for resistant bacteria. So there are experiments de- being done where we're harnessing some of these uh, virus, uh, bacteria-killing viruses, and they'll be used for therapy in the future to kill antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections. So that's pretty, uh, you know, wild that that's even happening. And what's interesting is these viruses now, we now know, uh, have like a little intelligence because they actually make a decision when to leave a cell. So if they sense that a cell, which is the hotel they're hanging out in, has some DNA damage, they turn on this emergency replication power and they divide so rapidly that they burst and cause a bacteria to explode and kill it, and then they escape to avoid, in a sense, a dying ship or a dying uh, bacterial cells. And basically what these uh, viruses do is they're That's hijackers. Oh, they oh, hi- wow. They hijack I mean, scary. Sci-fi. It's very scary, they, actually. You know, it seems like they have their own civilization within your system. Mm. And, it may, is, doctor, does that mean when we have a, a vitamin D levels up, whatever that means, uh, uh, and uh, uh, other uh, building up the immune system, that's the, keeps the viruses at bay. Well, when you're overall healthier and all your lab work is healthier and you try to stay within a healthy BMI range, yes, you're able to fight off viruses. And part of the aging process, too, is our immune system gets weaker. That's why, for example, the majority of deaths in coronavirus were people who were over 70 and had certain lab values or certain risk factors that put them at at risk, but it's pretty wild that these viruses basically hijack the copy machine inside our cells, and then they multiply, and they know when to get out and Doctor, when to Doctor, stay in. This is Pete King. I don't mean this sarcastically, but do they communicate with each other? Like, how do they know all over the world? I said already that, it, yeah. that it's time to strike. Well, they not all over the world. In, in your, your body. individual body. Yeah, but how about when you know, a million people suddenly get the same illness? How do they, how do they all know uh, to attack? I think they communicate as they're jumping from 
one Close body to, to the next, yeah. and that's how they're well, my virus communicating. And that's right why here. that's why we've learned from previous pandemics that they learn so, they doctor, learn to well, mul- they learn to be more contagious, so they can stay alive. But they also learn not to kill the human hotel host, so they can continue to survive. And that's why we have a hundred and forty thousand viruses that live in our intestine here as we speak, and they have learned to live and coexist with us. And that's what's going to happen. That with all is these breaking other news for sure. Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you so much for that news, and that's scary. Uh, By the way, I also want to mention tomorrow night, Ed Cox is the honoree at the Bronx GOP uh, dinner, and my daughter is going to be there. I bought one table. If I knew you were the honoree, I would have bought two tables. And if you miss John Katzmatidi's interview with Donald Trump, just go to WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com, and you can listen to that fantastic interview between uh, Katzmatidi's and Trump. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michalos. Thank you, everybody in here. And what do we stand for, guys? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.